You're not afraid of the dark, are you? Don't be afraid. Come with me. on the hill, filled with thrills and chills. Turn off the lights and light a candle. Pull up a seat if you will. You are listening to Lights Out Radio. Hello everybody, what's up, how you doing? This is another episode of Lights Out Radio and I'm Justin, your host. And I just want to thank you for stopping in, stepping in, stepping by, saying hi, checking out the show. I hope everybody's doing okay, I hope everybody's having a great summer. And if you can dig what I'm putting down, go ahead and subscribe and like to the channel. So I don't know if anybody else has seen it, but on social media I saw a video of a dude that he uh, recorded with his wife's curio cabinet. Some doll kept moving in it, so that's the inspiration for this show. We're going to cover haunted dolls and their stories from across the globe. And you guys go ahead and make the decision whether you believe it or not. You guys feel free to drop your thoughts, feelings, opinions on the matter down below. Let me know if you have your own experience. Let me know if there's something I missed that I don't know about. I love new knowledge. And especially if you have experiences of your own or your own haunted doll or anything like that, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to hit me up. Feel free to comment below. Feel free to follow us on Facebook. You can message me on there. Talk to me. Go ahead. I'll talk back. And I kind of say all that to say this. Whether you're a paranormal investigator, a ghost hunter, a supernatural transcriber, whatever you want to call yourself, or if you're somebody that just likes watching other people do it, likes watching the TV shows, I kind of want to know what are everybody's thoughts and feelings on all the different gadgets, gadgets, and gizmos that people use. You know what I mean? The K2 meter, the SLS camera, the SB7, the SB11. All these spirit boxes, the apps. Like, what do you guys think supply the best evidence of any kind of supernatural digital recorders, old school tape recorders? Like, what do you guys think are the best suppliers of evidence? If you have a minute, then spare a second and let me know. I'm really wondering what everybody's thoughts are on this. So with that being said, we're going to jump to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to cover supposedly all these haunted dolls all across the world. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you on the comeback. I'm Justin, your host, and you are listening to Lights Out Radio. So the first doll we're going to get into is named Joliet. Now, there's a crazy story behind this doll. It's kind of weird. So Joliet is a haunted, cursed, and supposedly possessed doll, right? So the story goes that many, many years ago, a woman discovered her and her husband were going to have a baby. Delighted by her good fortune, she shared the news with her best friend. Now, that friend had been trying to have a baby for a long time and was supposedly intensely jealous. The friend acquired a doll with a terrible curse and gave it to the pregnant woman as a gift. Nine months later, the woman gave birth to a healthy baby boy who mysteriously came down with some kind of melody three days later and died. And after the death of her son, the woman began to hear her baby's cries emanating from the doll. You follow me? That's crazy, right? Now, hold on now. It gets a little weirder. So a few years later, the woman, same woman, had a baby girl who grew up and acquired the doll. 
So the mom went ahead and passed the doll down to the daughter, you know what I mean? Her son also died three days after being born. So for four generations, the women in the family all had sons who died on their third day of life. And supposedly, each one said they could hear the sounds of their crying babies coming from the doll. So for four generations, four seemingly healthy baby boys were born, and three days later, they died. And it's said that the doll traps the souls of the boys within its body where they're expected to remain until Judgment Day. And since then, the people who have inherited the doll treat Joliet as if the doll was their son, never attempting to dispose of it. And a woman that wants to go by the name Anna G, she's chosen to remain largely anonymous, says that she has possession of the doll. She said that at night, the doll is said to give out the piercing cries of different babies, all male, sometimes singularly, and sometimes all at the same time. Anna knows the names of all four of the souls that are said to inhabit the doll, and it is this knowledge known to four generations of mothers and daughters that keeps the haunted doll in their possession. And that's the story of Joliet the Cursed Doll. So when I was looking this up and doing all this research, I, I thought to myself, like, what in Lucky Lefty's third eye would make you want to keep this cursed doll around? You know what I'm saying? So at the same time, I started thinking, I was like, well, if this shit is legit, then that'd be like trashing four of your family members. You know what I mean? So if it's legit, there are four souls of your ancestors stuck in this doll. So I could see why you wouldn't want to get a like give it away you know what i mean it's kind of like i don't even know how to describe it i would say family heirloom but that's not even close to what it is the next one we're going to get into is mandy the crying doll she resides in the quiznall and district museum in british columbia canada so the story goes in 1991 the museum received an anonymous donation in the form of an antiquated baby doll so with the doll came a note that informed them that the donor could no longer endure hearing the doll cry in the middle of the night. So obviously puzzled by all this, the museum curators included the doll in one of their exhibits, going against the advice of a local psychic. So soon after this, where they put it on display, visitors began to claim that they heard disembodied footsteps in the room where Mandy was kept. Anytime someone attempted to photograph the doll, their cameras would malfunction. What's even creepier about all this is that when Mandy has been placed in the same cases as other dolls, the other dolls become damaged and on the floor of the display case. But on top of all that, it's like the doll refuses to be alone. They displayed her alone and the staff found papers scattered across the room that she had been in. Now the room was locked by the way, but nonetheless, in the morning, staff found the papers scattered all across the room like she had been throwing a tantrum. She had also been placed in the front window of the museum facing all of the visitors. She was quickly removed after people began to complain of headaches after looking at her, followed by disturbing nightmares of Mandy watching or harming them in their sleep. So it's also reported that as the time of Mandy's stay at the museum increased, so did her presence. Her little lamb toy began to move by itself. Some even saw it gliding across the room to be sat in a different spot. Then the staff began to have nightmares of her. A lot of them even quit. The staff also reported other incidences, like lunches disappearing from fridges and to be found somewhere else, artifacts from the museum would vanish from their display cabinets and end up in a different one beneath the previously locked glass. So the display cases would obviously be locked, it's a museum, but they would still find these things in different display cases, which is really weird. Staff also reported that the ghostly footsteps they would hear would begin slow and distant, but then they would speed up and sound like they were coming towards you. One was even quoted saying, the faster I ran, the faster she would chase me. And that's the story of Mandy the Crying Doll from British Columbia, Canada. Now, I did also find that 
She was made estimated between 1919 and 1920 in Germany. So there you go. The next one we're going to get into is the haunted Barbie doll of Pulau Ubin. So at the beginning of World War I, the British mistrusted many foreigners in their colonies, and the British Army investigated one German couple in Singapore, which is where Pulau Ubin is, in 1914 as possible spies. The couple was caught, but their young daughter escaped, only to fall off of a cliff and die. So the locals of Pulau Ubin decided to erect a shrine in her memory that included a porcelain altar that supposedly contains a lock of the girl's hair and her crucifix. And this shrine is erected near the cliffside where the girl fell to her death. Interestingly enough, an Australian man who'd been living in Pulau Ubin had a dream three nights in a row involving a girl leading him to a toy store and to a Barbie doll within it. After the third night of the dream, the man went to that store during the day and found the doll he had seen in his dream. He bought it and placed it at the shrine, replacing an urn that had stood there. So that would be pretty crazy to me, you know what I mean? Moving from Australia to Singapore, and then you start having these dreams about this German-looking girl taking you to this toy store, pointing out this Barbie doll three nights in a row, and then you go to the store, and the Barbie doll you've seen in your dream is there. And, I mean, it's just crazy to me. But now... Uh, townspeople and tourists flock to visit the doll, bringing offerings of items such as lipstick and perfume, hoping the spirit of the girl will bring them good luck or heal them. And if you want to visit the doll but you can't make it to Singapore, you can buy the doll because apparently Mattel tried to capitalize on this story and they released the Haunted Beauty doll for collectors. And that is the story of the Pulau Ubin Barbie doll in Singapore. So now we're going to jump from Singapore over to the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida, home of Robert the Doll. And in case you didn't know or had been living under a rock, Robert the Doll is considered one of the world's most haunted dolls. So it all starts in 1904 when a boy named Robert Eugene Otto received a doll from the family's maid, former slave. This is where a lot of voodoo ties, hoodoo ties come in. People think that has something to do with this. I feel like this is a good time to say, though, that the doll was handmade and is one of a kind. It was handmade by the maid or servant, whatever you want to call them, that gave it to him. Now, this all starts at 534 Eaton Street at a house that was built between 1890 and 1898. It's now called the Artist's House. And Otto, who went by Eugene, or everybody called him Gene, decided to name the doll Robert, his first name, which really helps for storytelling. So when Gene was 10 years old, he woke up to find Robert, the doll, sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him. Moments later, his mother was awakened by his screams for help and at the sounds of furniture being overturned and thrown around in her son's bedroom. Gene cried for help, begging his mother to rescue him. When she finally was able to wrench the locked door open, she saw poor Gene curled up in fear on his bed, his room in shambles, and Robert, the doll, sitting at the foot of the bed. And all he could muster out, because of fear, being 10 years old, all he could muster out was Robert did it. Gene's parents claimed that they would often hear their son upstairs talking to the doll and getting a response back in a totally different voice. They also reported seeing the dog speak and witnessed his expressions change. Giggling and sightings of Robert running up the steps or staring out the upstairs window were also reported. Robert continued to live with Gene throughout his lifetime, and after Gene's parents died, he moved back into their home with his wife, Anne. Gene decided that the doll needed a room of its own and placed him in the upstairs room that had a window overlooking the street. So Anne, Gene's wife, 
She said she felt uneasy with the doll in the house, so she told him to lock him up in the attic. Of course, happy wife, happy life. So he locked Robert in the attic. Now, soon after this, visitors to the house heard footsteps in the attic, the sounds of someone pacing back and forth, and devilish giggling. Neighborhood children also reported seeing Robert watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom and told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. When Gene heard this, he immediately went to investigate, knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic and there was no way he could be sitting in the window of the upstairs bedroom. But to his complete shock, when he opened the door to the bedroom, there was Robert sitting in the rocking chair by the window. Gene locked Robert up in the attic several times, each time discovering him again sitting in the window in the same upstairs bedroom. So in 1974, Robert Gene Otto dies, and then a new owner moves into the house on Eaton Street. They have a 10-year-old daughter who was delighted to find Robert in the attic. But her delight ended soon when she claimed that Robert was alive and that the doll wanted to hurt her. She woke up often in the middle of the night screaming in fear and told her parents that Robert had been moving around the room. So with this being said, it wasn't long before he was donated to the museum. And now at the museum, Robert the doll sits inside of a glass case. But staff members still report Robert's facial expressions changing, hearing demonic giggling, and said to have even seen Robert put his hand up to the glass. And another thing also is people that go there to visit, they try to take pictures. They say that their cameras stop working or they're inoperable until they leave and then it works fine again. So there you go. That's the story of Robert the Doll of Key West, Florida. And now we're going to travel to Japan to the legend of Okiku. So the legend goes that a 17-year-old boy bought the doll for his little sister in 1918. Uh, his three-year-old sister was named Okiku. She loved the doll so much, like any other little girl with their dolls, you know, she took it with her wherever she went. Now, one day, Okiku died because of severe influenza fever, and in her remembrance, her parents kept this doll in a family altar to remember their daughter, right? Just like any other family, you got your... You know, one of your family members dies or whatever. You put a picture up or put something that represents them to you up. I don't know. That's how my family does it anyway. Well, that's how I do it anyway. So after some time, the family noticed that something odd was going on with the doll. So when her, her brother bought the doll, the hair was shoulder length, right? Now they're, notice, they're noticing that the hair was growing day by day. Now, after some time, the doll has hair down to its knees. The family believes that Okiku's spirit had somehow inhabited the doll. So then the family moves. They're kind of creeped out by the doll, but not wanting to throw it away. They take it to the Menenji Temple. I probably butchered that name, but I'm sorry. I don't speak Japanese. I'll brush up on it. And after listening to the mysterious tale of the doll's growing hair, the priest agreed to keep the doll at the temple. The doll was secured in a wooden box. Since then, trimming the hair became regular practice. Now, trying to debunk this, a sample of the doll's hair was taken, and upon its analysis, it was found that the hair actually belonged to a human child, but it did not point anything towards supernatural or anything like that. It just tested the hair, right? Now, the weird thing about this doll is no giggling, no laughing, no crying, no moving around, no demonic anything. Nothing of, like that has ever been reported. The only thing going on with this doll is its hair won't stop growing. So what do you think is compelling the doll's hair to grow? Because I don't know. I mean, you would think there would be something else with it, but instead it's just a doll that grows hair and doesn't stop. 
And to this day, Okiku is still in that wooden box in that temple in Japan. And now we're going to move on to the story of Harold the Doll. Um, if you have heard of him, it was probably on the Ghost Adventures show. They He was on the episode, the Island of Haunted Dolls or some shit like that. I think it was that episode. But this is the story of Harold the Doll, which is really, really unique, to say the least. Harold was originally put up for auction in 2003. He's supposedly the first ever haunted doll sold on eBay. The original lister named Greg, uh, he wrote, the listing he put made him the subject of news articles and websites around the world. And so I'm going to kind of read you a quick synopsis, I guess, of the original listing. So it goes something like, the doll was purchased in a small dirt lot flea market in the quaint town of Webster, Florida, which is about 60 miles southwest of Gainesville. He said it looked interesting, so he asked the man if he could see it. And the conversation went something like this. The man, you don't want to see this doll. And Greg said, sure I do. What do you want for it? The man said, well, that's a good question because it's very old. He said, it was my son's. I bought it for him when he was born. And then he passed away a few years after. It's been sitting in my work shed for over 60 years. I wasn't going to bring it out today, but I figured I'd just, it'd be better to get, get rid of it and get it out of here. He said, anyways, I want 20 bucks for it, right? So Greg says he gave the guy 20 bucks, he put it in a bag and walked away. And Greg says when he's halfway down the aisle walking away, the man comes running over to him out of breath. He says, I have to warn you about something. He says, the reason it's been in my shed is that the doll brought an eerie presence into our house after our son died. We would hear crying and singing from his room, but when we went to check it out, there was nothing, just the doll. Other things started to happen, and he talked to a priest. The priest told him he should burn the doll. He tried and tried to burn the doll. He said it, the doll would barely burn, and that's why its arms and head is so worn. Anyway, he just wanted to let him know. Greg told him okay and chuckled to himself as he walked away. And then when he got home, his life was never the same, he said. He said two days after he purchased the doll, his cat died, his girlfriend left him for the pool guy, and he began to experience chronic migraines. And then Greg goes on to say a week later after he bought the doll, he began to hear children laughing and crying in the basement. Every time he would go check it out, nothing. The doll has been in an armadillo coffin in his basement for the last year and a half, and he needs to get rid of it. He really believes it's cursed. Sometimes I touch it, and it seems like it has a pulse. Maybe he's just paranoid. Maybe not. So that's pretty much the original eBay posting. And I guess what I can gather from that is a lady named Kathy bought it. And then she put it up for auction on eBay a year later. Kathy said that the reason she bought the doll was because she wanted to learn uh, doll restoration. And her teacher told her that that doll was perfect to learn on. And Kathy states that she put it up for sale because she had her own personal experiences, including the deaths of two people she knew after they came in contact with Harold. So the new owner, Anthony Quinata, got it from Kathy off of eBay, right? And he states that shortly after he received Harold, he asked a friend of his to do a reading on him. He recorded the reading. It didn't last long, maybe a minute or two at the most. And his friend said, I can't do this. He just threatened to kill me. Now, he said he was disappointed and skeptical. He listened to the recording and clearly heard a male voice saying, I'm going to kill you, bitch. He says he was stunned. He had more readings done and he's seen people physically hurt in front of his eyes while in Harold's presence. Now he says he put Harold in storage in 2005, only taking him out occasionally after that. Uh, June of 2013, he took him out of storage to continue his investigation on him. So far, 
Four psychics have done readings on him, and none of those psychics want anything further to do with the doll. So I'm guessing Anthony Quinata is a paranormal investigator, and he has also written a book about uh, Harold the doll. And his investigations and studies of Harold still continue to this day. So that is the story of Harold the doll. And for another quick little doll story, I couldn't find much on this one, but it was creepy nonetheless. So remember like mid to late uh, 90s when the Tickle Me Elmo thing was big? I do because I went <laughs> Black Friday shopping with my mom, right? And my little sister wanted one. And that was like the main goal of the Black Friday shopping was to get my sister this Tickle Me Elmo doll. There was one left. And I kind of fought somebody for it, whatever, whatever. We ended up with the Tickle Me Elmo, though. But either way, the dolls kind of evolved as the years went on. And it turned into the Elmo Knows Your Name doll, right? So this one, this particular one, was purchased by the Bowman family in 2008 for their two-year-old son, James. Now, the Elmo Knows Your Name doll was programmed to speak its owner's name along with a few other phrases. But when the Bowmans changed the original batteries that came with Elmo, he started ad-libbing, and in a sing-songy voice, the doll started chanting, Kill James, over and over. And, yeah, that's that story. I just thought it was super creepy, right? And now we're going to move on to the so-called Dolls of Satan. So, during the 1800s, many affluent families moved to New Orleans. One of those families had a daughter who was ready for marriage. But the young woman had been having a secret affair with a boy in town, but was arranged to wed a wealthy Scotsman. When her lover found out, he sought the help from voodoo queen Marie Laveau. Now, Marie Laveau's awesome character. I find her so fascinating. Just the lore and legend behind her. I'm probably going to do a show. There's no probably. I'm going to do a show on her eventually, once I really do my research on her. But either way... So this guy finds out and he goes to Marie and he's like, yo, I need your help. The girl was married and soon became pregnant, but she did not give birth to an ordinary baby. Instead, she gave birth to a supposedly grotesque, deformed monstrosity everybody believed to be the spawn of the devil. The good people of New Orleans began to believe that the baby would wander around the town and at night attack anyone in the streets. Some began to believe that by carving a likeness of the baby into a gourd and leaving it on the porch would protect them from Satan's child. To this day, the devil gourd dolls are still made, and many believe that they are still cursed objects, courtesy of Marie Laveau. And now we're going to go to Australia, home of the infamous Let Me Out doll. Now it's described as a gypsy doll. It has jointed wrists and, and knees, and it's jointed, and it has real human hair for hair. Now, the doll was first discovered underneath an abandoned house in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, Australia, by Carrie Walton almost 50 years ago, right? Mr. Walton was compelled to save the 200-year-old doll, which earned its name after the owner and his brother joked, let him me out, was trying to move out of the sack that they'd stored him in. Now, Mr. Walton claimed that he found scuff marks on the floor of the house in the morning after they brought him home, suggesting that Letta had been out and about during the night. Visitors have reported feeling sick, emotional, and faint when around the doll, and pets would also act strangely around the doll. He also reports that objects around the house get moved, and the doll actually moves in front of people. Mr. Walton also points out the scuff marks on the bottom of Letta's shoes, which also show signs of wear and tear, which, which could lead somebody to believe that the doll moves around and walks. So he puts Letta me out, out in the shed, and then suddenly all these things in his shed are worth a shit ton of money, right? So they roll out and make a bunch of bank off this stuff that they've just been storing, and now they buy a new house, 
And he also says, I reckon he walks in the nighttime. We came here when they bought their new house, and I've heard, I've never heard so many strange things in my life, he says. Letting me out has been taken to psychics. One believe he was made for a boy who had drowned. A clock fell off the wall when she was doing the interview, and when she was telling us about the kid that drowned, he moved in her lap. And now when picking lottery numbers, Mrs. Walton consults Letta Me Out. And yeah, I hope that works out for her. And that's the story of Letta Me Out. And yeah, they don't think it's negative at all. A lot of people, I mean, that's one common misconception you get with anything paranormal. People automatically assume, I mean the general, general people automatically assume that it's negative, it's demonic, it's scary, it's creepy. Like there's there's good spirits too. There's good things. It's it's balance. It's the yin and yang effect. Anything in life, it has to balance out. There has to be counterbalance. Good, bad, night, day, wet, dry. You know what I mean? So there's that. Nobody believes the if there is a boy spirit in that doll or anything like that. Nobody believes it to be bad or anything. And I mean, if the doll just, you know, all of a sudden I put the doll in my shed and then next thing I know everything in my shed is worth a crap ton of money. I'm not going to think anything's bad with the doll either, but you never know. So that's the story of letting me out. And now we're going to go over to England where Jane Harris is a leading paranormal investigator who deals almost exclusively with dolls that are haunted. One day Jane received a package and a letter in the mail. The package contained a blonde haired doll. In the note, a woman said the doll's name was Peggy and that she was haunted. Jane began his case study on the doll, of course, like any other paranormal investigator would do and posted many photos and disturbing videos online. Soon she began to receive letters and emails from people who saw the photos and videos and claimed that Peggy caused them to experience nausea and intense migraines. One unfortunate woman even suffered from a heart attack after looking at a photo of Peggy. So Jane Harris has reported over 80 cases of people having chest pains, nausea, and debilitating headaches after looking at the photos and videos. And all of these cases have been people that have gotten in touch with Jane afterwards. Some even recalled that they saw visions of mental institutions combined with intense anxiety. And the former owner claims that she'd wake up feeling hot and shaken. No matter where she moved the doll in her home, the nightmares persisted. She apparently sought the help of a local priest, but two visits later, there was no change. So after the woman suffered from fever and hallucinations, she ultimately stumbled upon Harris's website on Google and got rid of the doll. And apparently there have been four different psychic mediums who have studied Peggy and they all say that she is restless, frustrated, and previously persecuted, possibly with ties to the Holocaust. And Jane made a statement saying, with Peggy, it's not only while people are looking at her or watching her, it seems to happen afterwards too. We have been told she can affect people's dreams, Harris said. She recently visited a lady in her dreams, warning her about one of her cats. The next morning, the lady found her cat very ill, and he sadly died that day. She also goes on to say that just the other night, we held a session with her, her being Peggy, and I made lots of notes as, pendul as the pendulum was going crazy. The next morning, I couldn't find my notepad anywhere, and when I did find it, I couldn't even reach it. The notebook was later found on the beams of her basement ceiling. My husband had to use a ladder to get it. Many people who saw the picture felt that they she did not want me to tell people the information I had gained. And that is the story of Peggy the doll over in England. And by the way, during any of this, if you do experience any kind of faintness of breath or headaches or dreams, nightmares, anything like that from any of these, please let me know. I would like to know these things. I'd like to look into them. 
So if you do experience any of that, I'm sorry for the pictures in this. I'm just trying to get the information out there. But do let me know if you feel anything or see anything or anything like that, okay? And now we're going to get into the last topic of conversation. We're going to do the story of Annabelle the doll. Yeah, the one that you've seen from all the Conjuring movies and this and that. But I'm going to give you the true story of what's really going on, if you didn't know already. So in 1970, uh, soon-to-be registered nurse Donna has just received an antique Raggedy Ann doll from her mother for her birthday. She takes the doll back to her shared apartment with her roommate and fellow nurse Angie. Both girls fawn over the cute smiling doll when it arrives, but quickly forget its existence as it becomes part of the decor. However, the doll doesn't go unnoticed long. Only days later, both girls start to notice that the doll seems to not only move from room to room, but also change positions on its own. Donna would sometimes leave the doll in the living room, only to come home to find the doll on the, on the bed with the door closed. The doll has often been found with its legs crossed or standing on both feet, but it was never left in those positions to begin with. Kind of creepy. So a month later, after the doll's arrival, Donna started to find handwritten notes everywhere, seemingly from the doll itself. Each note was written on scraps of parchment paper with the handwriting of a small child that bore the message, Help us. Help Lou. Donna, confused and scared, noted that she had never owned parchment paper and had no idea where it could have come from. Lou was a longtime friend to both Donna and Angie, and at the time it was unclear why the doll had written his name specifically. Up to this point, Donna kept what was happening to herself and didn't feel the need to call in any kind of specialist until after one particularly unsettling event. So Donna had just come home to find that the doll had moved again, this time to her bed. This time, something a bit more was off about the doll than just its changing positions. Upon further inspection, Donna found to her horror that the doll had drops of blood-like substance on its chest and hands. Nearly petrified with fear, Donna and Angie agreed they needed help and to call a medium. Now, it's through this medium that the girls would learn about the now infamous Annabelle Higgins. Before the apartment complex where the girls lived was built, there was just a field and a small house. It said that Annabelle and her family lived there happily until tragedy struck the family when seven-year-old Annabelle would be found dead in the field where the apartments now sit. The medium relayed to the sympathetic Donna and Angie that Annabelle just wanted to stay and be loved. Without question, obviously, Donna allowed the spirit of Annabelle to stay in the Raggedy Ann doll. Not long after this, though, the girls realized that the spirit might not be as innocent as its soft doll was made to seem. From the very beginning, Lou had disliked the cheery doll, even saying it was evil and he urged Donna and Angie to get rid of it as soon as possible. So both girls continuously refused since they felt such compassion for both the doll and Annabelle. Lou, on the other hand, had nothing but terrifying experiences when it came to the Annabelle doll. One night, Lou awoke to find that he could not move his body. Panic-stricken, he looked toward the end of the bed and saw the doll standing there. Seconds later, Lou felt the pressure of hands around his throat like he was being choked, almost to the point of asphyxiation. So Lou wakes up the next day terrified and convinced it had not been a dream or sleep paralysis. This would not be his only encounter with Annabelle. He also received seven long claw marks on his chest, three vertical and four horizontal. Interestingly enough, though, the cuts were fully healed in two days, leaving no trace that they had ever been there, right? That's wicked crazy. So after these violent episodes, Donna realized this was not the spirit of a little girl, but something much more sinister. Donna knew she needed more than a medium, so she decided to contact an Episcopal priest 
named Father Hegan. After Donna explained what had been happening to Lou and the doll, Father Hegan decided to call a priest of higher authority, Father Cook. Upon hearing about the horrifying events, he instantly called Ed and Lorraine Warren. The Warrens came to the conclusion that it was not the spirit of a young Annabelle, but instead a demonic presence since spirits want to possess people, not inanimate objects. It was only making the doll seem alive so it could attach to a human host instead. Starting small, the evil spirit started attracting attention to itself to get closer to a human host. The medium also made it much easier for the spirit to manipulate the girls with a sob story. Considering how violent the spirit started to get, the Warrens predicted that the spirit would have possessed or killed someone in a couple of weeks if they hadn't been there to stop it. Father Cook cleansed the apartment with a seven-page prayer, and to Donna and Angie and Lou's relief, the Warrens took the Raggedy Ann doll with them. But the doll still showed signs of violence while in the Warrens' care. As they traveled home with the doll in the back seat, the car stalled repeatedly on every corner, making the power steering and brakes fail. After almost colliding with another car because of this, Ed Warren poured holy water over the doll and they made it home safely with no more strange automobile failure. Ed also reported that the doll levitated off a chair when they returned and would turn up in rooms randomly. The Warrens built a special case for the doll after Father Jason Bradford, a Catholic exorcist friend of the Warrens, got into an almost fatal car accident after tossing the doll and telling it, you're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. Now, there's also been all kinds of stories, like uh, a dude and his girlfriend went to go visit the uh, Warren's Occult Museum, where Annabelle is now in Connecticut, and he uh, supposedly taunted the doll, tapped on the glass, said all kinds of crap, and then wrecked on his motorcycle and ended up dying. So there you go. That's the story of uh, Annabelle, and that's the episode of Haunted Dolls. I hope you guys enjoy it. Give me any kind of feedback you want. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, if you know of something else, if you've had your own experiences, I'd love to hear them. Anyway, thanks for stopping in. This is Justin with Lights Out Radio. You guys stay blessed, stay safe, stay spooky. Yo. Yeah.